0: For the Sixers, it was no MVP candidate, no problem in a huge upset win in Boston. For the Nuggets, it was they needed all of their MVP candidate, but the Nuggets, a huge 2-0 lead. We'll talk about the games tonight, the Heat and the Warriors and the Lakers all try to get wins while, of course, breaking down today's action. It's all coming today on Locked on NBA. You are locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of the Locked On NBA Podcast, bringing you the latest and greatest from around the association. I'm Tony East, the host of Locked On Pacers. He's David Ramel, one of the hosts of Locked On Heat. And David, what a Monday night in the league it was! The day before the MVP announcements, no Embiid playing, yet his team pulls it off. Crazy win, potentially. Uh, series changer we'll see and then the other MVP candidate Jokic who did play his Nuggets go up to oh fascinating fascinating night around the league I think we have to start with unfortunately detracting from the MVPs although not unfortunately because it was amazing James Harden's best playoff game ever in game hmm. one of Sixers Celtics
1: I don't think it was his best game ever it was a fantastic game though he I think, matched- in the postseason I think it was Actually, he he had a pretty fantastic game in 2000. I looked up his uh, career playoff highs. This tied his career playoff highs and points. He actually shot a little bit more efficiently in a game back in 2015 against Golden State, uh, where he had 12 of 13 free throws. He was also more efficient from three, shot better from the floor, uh, more assists, more rebounds. So just a better overall night. But that's, you know, I I wanted to be the prisoner of the moment. I wanted to be all excited (laughs) about today's performance. But, you know, I, I, I had to... (laughs) to rain on that parade just a little bit. That doesn't take away anything from Harden's performance. He was fantastic tonight. You wondered how this supporting cast would step up with Joel Embiid, knowing that he wasn't going to be available. He might be out for a a substantial amount of time at this point, no exact time frame for his return. And Harden kind of went back to the version of him that we all knew from Houston. He was a familiar scorer. He was not exactly... a playmaker out there, but he create he controlled the offense to a great degree. Uh, just commanded so much respect, helped initiate a lot of things, and and Tyrese Maxey also helped a lot in that regard as well. But as far as Harden's individual performance, he was fantastic. Every time it looked like Boston was going to be able to create a little cushion or take over a lead, maybe uh, separate themselves from from Philadelphia to an extent, there was Harden with a big shot or a big pass or just, you know, just getting to the rim to doing everything that we know from him as far as being one of the best scorers in NBA history. So a really, really damn good game, if not his best playoff performance ever.
0: Yeah, 17 made shots the most he's ever had in a postseason game. And and the setting of it without Embiid, I think, is fascinating. And this, it's not the same. Like one was a game seven. I'm not comparing the two. But the way he played hunting his shot looked Steph-esque from Sunday mm-hmm. where it was just like, I've got to do it, right? Like, I'm the guy who has to do this. And that's not the James Harden that has been around for a lot of this season, which is why this stood out so much. And He even had a quote, a grant, I mean, granted. I saw an aggregator tweet this and credit Tim Bond temps. So I, I might be butchering something along the way. But right, right. basically, paraphrasing, Harden said all year, you know, everybody who's saying, you know, oh, when Harden goes out and scores 40 and 50. People say that we can't win like that. So I go get 20 and 11 and we win. But then people make fun of me for not being the old James Harden. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Well, the, he, the, tonight he showed that he still can be that old James Harden when he needs to be. There were the threes, like he would. He came in off of some inbounds passes and got up some quick ones. Obviously, he had, we'll get to. There were some crazy late game moments in general, a ton of them. Um, hitting yeah. the dagger late. Dagger's the wrong word, but the game winner late. Um, on a fifteen step points back, in was the fourth beautiful. quarter. Yeah,
1: huh? Fifteen points in the fourth quarter. So yeah, definitely just stepping nasty, up when it matters
0: Hunting his shot, James Harden level stuff. That was just beautiful to see in a way that really hasn't been there all season. And even his first round was kind of rough, right? Like missing yeah. some easy ones near the basket. And of course the nets were just overmatched and Embiid was great, but he didn't look that great. And that's why I thought, oh, if Embiid's out, they're toast. But and look, he was seven for 14 from three. He's not going to do that for a whole series. But if he can play like this where he is hunting his shot and it's productive, they at least have a really good chance in the games Embiid's out. And he showed why
1: tonight. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. Uh, even if he does wind up not matching this level of production, he's going to command some respect from the defense. He's going to draw defenders towards him. He's going to be able to shift the defense and create opportunities for others. Tobias Harris struggled after having a pretty good series against Brooklyn. Uh, I, I imagine that he probably—I mean, he was okay tonight, but it didn't—he wasn't particularly efficient. I imagine he'll probably get some more opportunities. Okay, guys, Maxie Reed, et cetera. They'll get better looks. I, I just don't know exactly how this will change once Embiid eventually makes his return. But for tonight, tonight, at least, it was a positive sign for Philadelphia. But on the flip side of that, what did you think of Boston's performance? Because I know a lot of Celtics fans are already uh, losing somewhat faith in in their coach. Of course, they they struggled from the floor. They, they just didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, it, I don't know. It, it was a, an uneven game from the team that I thought was going to have an advantage in this series against Philadelphia, but it, it didn't look that way in game one. What did you think of the matchup?
0: Yeah. I saw a lot of commentary on this, like the way that the Hawks in the first round were able to kind of punish Al Horford defensively in a way that has not been typical of Horford in his career made some people go, huh? I wonder if he'll be a weak link potentially in the playoffs going forward. Well, that appeared to be the case in the Celtics. Usually so rock solid, on the end of the floor, especially when they can have Rob Williams just run around and cover ground in the postseason that it's really hard to find that weak spot. Well, maybe it is Al Horford, who was 17 in this Mm. game, a game low for him, and he's normally just so, so reliable for Boston, and his offense was fine. He was five for eight, six rebounds, three assists, like a totally fine statistical Al Horford game, but his defense was not up to it, and they were getting cooked by the Sixers. I think that's the biggest concern thing if you're the Celtics, you might have to tweak your front-court rotation or try to find different lineups that work because Tatum was still fantastic scoring the ball in this game, right? looked like for a while. It was a toe-to-toe him versus Harden yeah. kind of night until he got smacked in the groin unintentionally. <laughs> that, 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 that was one of the many weird plays of the second half of this basketball game in transition. I, I don't... Uh, it did not look intentional at all. What would you say? PJ Tucker turned around fast. Like, I don't even know what That's, to call this.
1: The timing was impeccable. <laughs> I, I mean, I, he was, he, he was completely turned. So I don't think he saw, unless he has this unusually inhuman levels of peripheral vision. <laughs> I don't think he saw Tatum as he was approaching him. And it looked like he was yelling at a teammate. I can't remember who it was exactly, but he was yelling at a teammate to his right. And as he was doing, so I think he was telling him cut to the basket or something to that effect. <laughs> He just did it with a, an open hand and oh. it just wound up catching Tatum in a very sensitive area. Every and, man
0: watching that game went, Oh, <laughs> they shot the
1: replay of that one. I thought it was a much more severe injury. I didn't see the initial contact and I saw him, you know, writhing on the floor. And I'm thinking, Uh oh, this looks like a, a potential long term injury here. One could be, you know, season ending. Uh, it wasn't quite to that extreme, but it, it was obviously a pretty painful moment. I think
0: that Horford thing's the biggest thing for me because, like, Tatum and Brown were 22 for 35. Like, they were efficient and getting it done. And the Celtics did pretty well in their minutes. And Brogdon played fine outside of his giant, enormous boneheaded mistake, which we should probably talk about in a second. And Rob Williams didn't miss a shot. And Marcus Smart made winning plays. Like, they got a lot from their typical guys outside of Horford, I feel like. So, if they can find a way to mitigate Horford's impact, then I think they'll be fine because most of the stuff that they would have liked to do looked like it went mostly well.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I, you know, Horford, obviously, uh, I think he was probably more, more better suited for a matchup versus a beat of all things. Uh, and, and yet, <laughs> agreed. I agree. Yeah, he seems like he was a little put off by Paul Reed's kind of physicality, moving his ability to move quickly around the basket, uh, kind of reposition himself. He's not the, the more traditional plotting center, sm- somewhat more of a small ball. And look, uh, early on, it looked like that was going to be a problem for Philadelphia. They kind of figured out the timing within the game and, and understood exactly what was at stake. And of course, and Harden wound up having his big moments down in the stretch. But I think Paul Reed was great. He provided athleticism, some key rebounding, yeah. tipping the ball out to you know other shooters and things of that sort. So I, I just big moments for him. Horford looked He looks, unfortunately, a little cooked out there. And and maybe that's just my nature of, you know, he can be a little bit more physical with Embiid because it's just much more evenly in size. But against a smaller, more athletic center in Reed, uh, he just seemed a little outmatched there.
0: Yeah, Paul Reed made himself some money tonight. I mean, he was (laughs) great in a big game. Uh, Maybe the biggest game, like stage-wise and playing, uh, 37 minutes for Paul Reed in the playoff game of his career. He looked solid and totally like he belonged the whole game. So what the Celtics adjustments going to be I think is just some front court tweaks. Personally, yeah. I don't know what how they do that cuz they only played seven guys serious minutes.
1: Uh, yeah, with what's Williams? Him? I mean, I know he's been kind of in and out of the yeah, rotation. They got to play only four minutes tonight. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think he could have been an answer. And I know he was getting cooked by. They were seeking him out in those pick and roll situations with Harden. He was attacking him and it did not work out. But again, only four minutes for a guy who has stepped up so noticeably for them in their finals run last year. It seemed a little atypical.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, and even yet, the Celtics were winning very late in that's this true. game until... Malcolm Brogdon threw, I don't even know what to call that pass. I mean it, it it's like he expected a teammate to be there yeah. and there wasn't one and Tyrese Maxey was there and had the freest dunk ever and then Yeah. The, you know it just a, they, their ending did not go well. They got some points from Tatum at the foul line but Harden was just best better at the end and so credit to the they were up with under a minute to go. Like I don't know if the Celtics would feel bad about this. They were up two when the are three, they are three. Yeah. When it crossed to the final 60 seconds, like they, they played well, the yeah. South, or the Sixers just played better. Right. So it's like, maybe they don't even change that much, but potentially if Embiid comes back, they'll be kicking themselves for losing a home game in this series.
1: Yeah. I, I wonder, I, I, you know, sometimes we, we see this and and I just covered a series uh, with Miami and Milwaukee where <laughs> when Giannis was out in game two, they wound up having uh, an incredibly a typical performance, shooting sixty percent from three. That's the Bucks, I mean, and, and they were they played their best game of the series, obviously it's the only game that they actually won. But something happens when a team loses their MVP or their best player, and other players respond. The ball doesn't stick as much. You don't go to that high usage player. Uh, in Philadelphia's case, I mean, they were able to distribute it a little bit more evenly, but you still relied on a monster performance from Harden. So. I I don't think it's dire for Boston. I think they can tweak things. I I think they can, yeah. Even though they had those big performances, those are somewhat wasted. It's not necessarily a bad place for Boston to be in. And I don't know that Philadelphia is going to be able to rely on that same kind of level of production from Harden moving forward. But it's certainly a factor. It'll be interesting to see how Game Two plays out. What's that on Thursday?
0: Yeah, this one. This one has a big gap, right? Because of when it starts.
1: I think. I think. Either way, I don't. But Either get, way. we NBA don't expect, expect MB to be there, right? So the NBA second
0: round playoff schedule, I'm not guessing. It's just it'll happen when it happens.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh let's uh, take a break here before we talk about the big matchup between the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference. And we'll touch on the upcoming rematch between LeBron, James, and Steph Curry. But before we do that, just a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They've got so many great deals. And look, if you're flying into some place out of town, maybe you're not familiar exactly with where we are, but you've got a few hours to kill after a business meeting or stuff like that. You know what? You got a game time, you can find tickets for concerts, theater events, comedy shows, whatever you might be interested in, a gaming event, you know, if you want to go to a baseball game or something like that, you can just buy those tickets real cheap. Because of their their best price guarantee, and I really like Game Time's app. You download it, and you can find exactly what tickets you want, and you can see exactly where you'll be sitting. So you know if you're going to have any kind of obstruction, like an antenna or some kind of blockage, speaker system, or anything like that. No worries. You buy the tickets, you know exactly what they'll look like once you're sitting in them. And again, best price is available. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA. For 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply again, but create an account and redeem the code Locked On NBA for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
0: Welcome back into Locked On NBA. Thanks for making us your first listen today. And every single day feels like your second listen it has to be Locked On Sixers to hear about that impressive win they had to get their series going. Keith Pompey will have it all for you over at Locked On Sixers. Let's go to the MVP candidate who did play who, and played very well. I, I, I have to do this. I might not get to do it again in the series if the Suns win the next two. But the locked on, we did our trade deadline special, and the Suns got Kevin Durant, and the whole chat was eight people going, ah, oh, they're the favorites of the West, they're the favorites of the title. And I was the only one in this thing who said, guys, the Nuggets are pretty good. And look at this. The Nuggets are up 2-0. And it's kind of been weird. It's kind of just been weird to me because they have such talented players, but the way the NBA is now, they they're not like a heavy threes team. They're not a heavy rim pressure team. They're just they try to out talent you. And that hasn't worked against the Nuggets because Jokic has been really good. They've gotten just enough from Jamal Murray when they needed it. Yes, he was bad tonight, but in the clutch, he made some plays and they got big moments from Aaron Gordon, KCP, all their role guys. And and got it done, and and I think you could talk about all those other guys as long as you want, but Jokic was just completely ridiculous, and that was the story of the game.
1: Yeah, I I, I hate focusing on Phoenix too much, but it's, you know, you, you bring up a good point that the Nuggets played really well. Jokic was phenomenal. They got some great defense from Aaron Gordon. call Caldwell-Pope hitting some big shots in the fourth quarter. I think he had two threes there, Awesome. And you mentioned yep. Murray. Just good overall balance, but it kind of shows the dichotomy, the difference between these two, and that you have one that's much more experienced And while Phoenix is certainly as talented, at least top-heavy. The balance across that roster isn't there. The experience isn't there in terms of them playing together. Mm -hmm. Sure, they've also got a number of experienced players, and we should point out also that Chris Paul wound up leaving midway through the fourth quarter with tightness in the groin, and so he was not available for the closing minutes of those games when it was pretty close. Who knows if he would have been able to make a difference? And again, it maybe it doesn't matter because Phoenix just shot 18% from three-point range. That's not going to get it done. That's a struggle. Both Team struggled from long range, but, uh, you know, Jokic had a big night, and that's basically what it boils down to. But there was a much more balanced side on Denver, and then Phoenix kind of just figuring things out on the fly. Great performance from Booker not nearly efficient enough scoring from Kevin Durant, and they just don't play like a very cohesive unit. For all the talent that they have at the very top, there's still some things missing there, and I think that's what happens during the playoffs. You can see it. It boils it down to what the team is at its core, and right now they're still struggling to understand their identity and how to play with one another. Denver looked much more comfortable as a result.
0: Look, it's not this simple. Like It's just not, but they were close enough in three-point attempts, and like they both kind of have similar pace of attacks and stuff the suns took five free throws five like the nuggets took 21 like i the first game a big part of it was the possession game right like the nuggets getting four more turnovers having more chances and in this one the first thing i wanted to to look at was that and the suns took 19 more shots from the field but that's because the nuggets lived at the line instead so there's no you know shot attempt registered in that situation like That's huge for their efficiency in this game. Like the sun's made all their free throws, but they barely took any. And that's part of the way they play. I think an interesting style thing in this series and in this game is both teams really want to play slow. And for a Jokic who, you know, he, he doesn't need to move his feet as much and, you know, have some of those weaknesses that people talk about with him defensively show up as often. Like he's just been awesome. He's just been able to kind of tear up the sun's possession by possession. And sir, like, Katie had 24 points, but it took him 27 shots to do it. And like Devin Booker was pretty good, I guess. He took 29 shots to get to his 35. Like they just aren't efficient enough with the way they're playing and the way the Nuggets are defending them. Credit to the Nuggets for doing it, but you you can just open the shot charts and kind of see a lot of the story of this game to me because the Nuggets are finding little tiny efficiency wins all over the place because of the
1: talent that they have and the way they're playing. Yeah. KD two of 12 from the three point range. And he didn't seem out of sort. I don't think that there's any kind of lingering injury or anything like that. Some of those shots were purely wide open. We expect him to make those, especially in the fourth quarter. And they just rimmed out or missed completely. Uh, And I had four points from the bench. Like, I I know you're not counting on your bench to step up. And Bisbeck Biombo is a limited player in what he can produce and things of that sort. But man, that's still... Like, it's just putting so much pressure on your starters to step up. You're not getting the contributions that you got from Tory Craig in the first round. Like, you're not getting much of anything from anybody else other than Kevin Durant and, and uh, uh, Devin Booker. And, and DeAndre Ayton continues to struggle. Again, he was okay, 14.7 of 10 from the floor. Most of those in the first half, he was pretty much no in the second half. And while his comments showed some kind of level of a self evaluation there, saying he needed to be more aggressive in game two, and he was. At first, I still think that he is somewhat uh, underwhelming in his performance in this series. So you'll wonder whether or not he'll be able to step it up moving forward.
0: Yeah, he's the poster child, I think, for the like the adage that like even just touching the ball in a possession keeps players engaged. Like even if they're not shooting it, you know, I think that that is true. And he doesn't right. touch it that much because they have other guys who should. It's not something the Suns are doing wrong, but it's got to be so hard to really like the the playoffs. He was the best in twenty twenty one when they made the finals. He was way more involved because they had a totally different team back then. Uh, not yeah. to go too long on him there, but, yeah, it, 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 it's so interesting because I find myself wanting to talk a lot about the Nuggets, right? They deserve yeah, it. Yeah. They're, up, they're up 2-0. They, there's a chance they'll have home court in the finals given how the playoffs are looking right this second. But I almost also want to talk about like what the Suns can do because you know, we we just saw it with the Warriors. Like Until a, home, until a team loses at home, the series is still very right. much hanging in the balance. So I think there's a little bit of both here where it's like the Nuggets have been clearly better to me through two games. They clearly have enough answers to win this. It's not even like they've looked, I mean, they, they were down in this game in the fourth quarter. I shouldn't say it looked so easy, but they closed really well. But Like they've mostly been able to play their game and do what they want without having to play too many adjustment cards or go crazy. And I think that bodes well for them. But at the same time, I think, you know, just a little bit better from Durant and Chris Paul being able to play the full game. And all of a sudden the Suns could win both at home and we're talking totally differently about this in however many days.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily a dire place, Similarly to what we said about the Sixers and, and Celtics. I don't think either team is really... All that concern, you never want to go back home in a, in a 2-0 you know, deficit, but that's the reality of it, and, and you kind of find a way to to bounce back, and I think they'll get a little home cooking, and you, again, I think it's a good point. You have a little bit more efficiency from Durant and his shooting, maybe a little bit more production from somebody else other than those two initial players, and you have a very good chance uh, of evening the series up. Denver very good at home, obviously, but uh, would you say the Nuggets, I know you mentioned that earlier, but would you say the Nuggets are still, at this point, the prohibitive favorites to emerge from the Western Conference?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean it it's it's hard for me not to like they they survived the best punch of the Timberwolves fair, fairly easily, I would say. Yeah. I mean, they I guess it, 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 they won 4-1. It looked a little wobblier than that. But yeah, they they did well in that and they're health they're healthier than most of the teams right now, knock on wood, you know, in this playoffs it seems like every series has some sort of injury. <laughs> way to go, Tony. just I know. I, oh. Something's <laughs> going to happen again Three now. they They're healthy and they have way this was the big thing for them. For a lot of this year, them and the Warriors just have way more chemistry than most of these teams. They've got years yeah. and years and years of experience with this system, with these players, with this coaching staff. It's like KCP's
1: new, but in general, he they well. He knows he knows what to. They, right. they know what to expect from him, and he knows what to expect right. of his role, and he plays it as well as you possibly can. So
0: maybe so. I mean, I, I, I'm hard pressed to not have the Warriors be the favorite in the West, given how they're playing right yeah. this second. But yeah. the Nuggets are playing very well, so they, they, but. they both look great. What are the Suns need yeah. to do differently? Do they need, how do they get their depth engaged? I feel like that's a big thing for them.
1: I, I don't know. I I don't know that they possibly can, because I think a lot of those opportunities were still there. And as well as def- Denver defended them, you think those shots are still available You know, Jock Landale doing his thing around the rim. He's not, I mean, you're not counting on him to score much beyond, right. similarly it's, it's not like these players are known for their high level of production, but when Torrey Craig gets the shot on the perimeter, he needs to be able to knock it down. That's just the reality. Because again, I mean, maybe a couple more shots from their bench, that are be- a little better from DeAndre and Kevin Durant, and next thing you know, they're tied one-one, and you feel much more confident going back into Phoenix, especially knowing that you might be without Chris Paul for an extended period of time. Who knows what that uh, what that injury might be? Uh, yeah, so I, I I couldn't see anything necessarily in terms of getting their their bench players more engaged. That just I think it was just a matter of missing a lot of whatever opportunities they did take. I mean, they, they weren't shooting a whole heck of a lot, but, uh, you know, like, oh shit, campaigns with seven, one of seven. I, I'm sorry. that That's that's it. I mean, that's part of the, it right there is one of seven, 0 oh, for four yeah. from three point range. That's not particularly good.
0: On one hand, I, I, you know, they did miss open shots. And like, yeah, you make open shots, you'll play better, but they scored 87 points. Like, uh, there's a point where it's not, not just Weird, missing yeah. open but shots. Like, that is low, And as Seth Partnow says, sometimes the best adjustment in the playoffs is just play better. <laughs> That's all the Suns
1: need right now. <laughs> well, speaking of playing better, the Golden State Warriors are still certainly playing very, very good basketball. We'll talk about them and their matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers in the next segment, as well as a look at the Eastern Conference semifinals between the New York Knicks and Miami Heat. But before we do that, just a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks and their new million dollar daily super flex promotion. Every day of the NBA playoffs and the NBA finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance of becoming a millionaire. It could be you. One entry placed after 8 a.m. will be randomly selected each day, and whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex. With the following payouts, you can get six correct picks. That's a million dollars. Five correct picks still gets you 80 grand. Who wouldn't want that? Four correct picks is $16,000. You can get the full details over at prizepicks.com millions. But you must opt in at this link to be eligible for million dollar entry. And once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normally, and you could be the lucky winner and play the game has never been easier because prize picks makes daily fantasy so easy. You just pick two to six players and you go up against their projected numbers. It's not you versus anybody else, just you versus the projections. And it makes it so much easier. You can win up to 25 times your money and you can do it in any sport. You can imagine whether it's basketball, baseball, men's and women's college sports, Disc golf, European soccer, football, basketball, everything, you name it, you'll find it over at PrizePix. So download the PrizePix app today or go to prizepix.com and sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users also get a 100 buck, 100% excuse me, instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix gives you $100. Bucks. If you deposit $50, PrizePix gives you $50. Bucks. So don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON At sign up for an instant deposit match by downloading the PrizePix app or going to prizepix.com today.
0: Welcome back into Locked On NBA. Two games tonight, David Rommel. It is the best day ever for the Ivory Tower. Warriors, Lakers, and Heat Knicks. The NBA is ecstatic for their Tuesday slate of NBA basketball they've got going on for the second round. And look, the heat and series is going to be awesome. We'll talk about it to close, but big headliner for the first game. We haven't seen it yet of this Warriors Lakers series. Absolutely fascinating that the six seed is the home team, but these are just historical outliers in terms of seating with the Lakers having LeBron and the trades they made and the Warriors being the defending champs and their whole season of what is their road record? You know, it's bananas. So I'm very fascinated by this series and, there's a lot that I think is important between a lot of the new players the Lakers have and some of the role players who yeah. did well for the the Warriors to beat the Kings. But I'm also just kind of like, you know what? Between Steph and AD, whoever can be more impactful nightly, that might just be it because they're so yin and yang. For this kind of degrees that like Warriors vibes were huge in their adjustments against the Kings. And so, if AD can swallow those up, what can they go to instead? And for the Lakers, you know, their defense was awesome in the first round against the Grizzlies. Like, can they actually stop the Warriors? And that might just come down to the Stars being their best. And maybe that's too reductive. Maybe it's not in the playoffs. But I'll be fascinated to watch those two go head to head.
1: No, I, I think that's a, a great point. Uh, it, it's interesting and and, and it's funny because the marketing around the series is obviously Steph versus LeBron, and yet AD seems like he might be the more impactful player in the series. That's not to take away from what we know LeBron is going to be able to produce, that never is a question really when it comes to a player of that level of greatness, even at that point, this point in his career. But AD has that opportunity to be so much more impactful, be much more dangerous from the perimeter, also around the rim. And his matchup with Kevon Looney of all people is, is one that's, Really fascinating. Looney had such a big series against the Kings, particularly in that game seven. His rebounding performance was outstanding. Uh, If he can limit Davis, match up well with him, stay out of foul trouble, and continue to provide that same energy that he did against the the Kings, uh, it could be a really interesting series there. But I'm also curious to see who matches up with Curry. Like, Who do you think is gets the assignment i know i've seen a lot of people say jared vanderbilt is the guy that he's matched up with him before and he's a little bit more comfortable as a switchable big who can kind of limit uh, curry's opportunities as much as anybody can really limit curry's opportunities i've seen other people call for dennis Schroder to get <laughs> a start perhaps uh do you see either one of those being a better option because i think it's still vanderbilt at this point you wouldn't require much of a change in that rotation what do you think
0: I think Schroeder would be my choice. Okay. Um. There, Neither are good options, and I only pick Schroeder because it's <laughs> that harder idea. to hide Curry on the other end, right? Because I think Curry would guard Vanderbilt, presumably, just given what the teams would
1: look like in the starting fives. I'd have to, I have to think no, about it. No, not necessarily. Well, I guess he would. I, I mean, Vanderbilt's not much of a scoring threat, and then you probably have – draymond trying to lock up everybody else so yeah that's a pretty good point i i, I imagine that uh, vanderbilt would probably have curry on him as well
0: so schroeder it, it look that that's still probably the best option if, if that's who the lakers end up starting to put him on but maybe, maybe that's a little harder but that it that maybe that's the first adjustment the lakers go to if vanderbilt isn't working because of the of the lakers starters from series one yes vanderbilt is definitely the best choice throw reeves at him a few times i guess if you need to Um, But yeah, that seems like the best choice. But I think they're just going to be, you know, get everybody to drive middle and funnel them towards Anthony Davis, who is on Looney so he can be around the basket as much as possible. But even then, like Green and Looney figured out, even when they were clogging up the paint, how they can be massively impactful in their first series. So that might not even be that important.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I I like the coaching matchup to Darvin Ham, a little bit much more inexperienced, obviously, than Steve Kerr, much more familiar with LeBron James and the way he plays. But LeBron, almost an acting coach out there, so aware of what Golden State does, even though there's a change in the rosters from when they met four times four straight times in the finals, I should say. Uh, It's it's just interesting to see who makes these kinds of in-series adjustments first. Uh, whether they lean more towards their identity or they change things just ever so slightly to give them whatever advantage is necessary over the course of the series. That's always a fascinating thing there, but it's a, it's going to be a really fun series. I, I I don't feel like it's, it's necessarily just LeBron versus, or even a D versus Steph, although that's the way the game is being again marketed. But I just, what I'm more curious about is how these other fringe Players and it's not really a fringe, but just the players on the periphery and how they impact the series because it's all. It always seems like it's one player who unexpectedly steps up, you know, Looney in the previous series, etc. Like that's the I think where it's going to really decide this. It's going to be around on the edges rather than those two marquee players changing the course of the series. And it's 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 a fun night of basketball, that's for sure.
0: I was going to ask you who you who you thought would be the most important role player. (laughs) In the series, maybe it's Reeves, uh, but he might have ascended Ooh. past that label.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a, a interesting, I guess. He could be the option there. Um, if Looney does what
0: he did against the Kings again, it's him, like he changed that whole series, but that's can, a different
1: sort of Yeah. Can, can Draymond still be a role player just because he has such a clearly dis- defined role? Um, yeah. I know he's gonna be yes, impactful, I guess. Okay. So I, I, that would be a pick for me, but I just, um, yeah, there's a uh, Looney's an option. Even Gary Payton, when he gets his minutes and provides that kind of burst defensively, uh, Kaminga is another name that I think might have a, an opportunity to step up to. So there's there's options there. It's just, you know, it might. we can say all this, and it'll probably be six and a half games of role players deciding these <laughs> games, and then at the end of Game 7, it'll be Steph versus LeBron, as we all expect it to be, so...
0: Yeah, I want Iguodala to play in this series just for the nostalgia. <laughs> You're all over the heat this playoff run. Um, oh, yeah. Do you think Jimmy's going to play game two? Seems like the Knicks are dealing with some injuries.
1: <laughs> what high-level stuff do you
0: foresee being huge to yeah,
1: now? Uh, I've seen a lot of people. We made the argument on lockdown heat that Jimmy uh, might not or should not play in game two because you've already accomplished – Something in terms of having one game one on the road and then you can if you lose game two and, you know, they will be adjustments from New York. They might get Julius Randle back, even though he's currently listed as questionable. Uh, I think I think he'll play. I, I think we've saw if you if, if Jimmy Butler's Instagram profile is any judge, uh, he's been walking around all of New York City <laughs> shopping. Uh, but I think that's just Jimmy Butler for a guy who was, uh, according to Eric Spolstra, getting treatment around the clock. Not sure how that's possible as he's walking up and down Broadway at sh- in the shoe shops, but whatever. Uh, that's just me. Uh, <laughs> I think he'll play. Um, and if he does it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they're going to require him to beat playoff Jimmy, which they did not in game one. As much as he had a pretty efficient overall game, and it was a pretty low-scoring affair too. It was the role players stepping up, whether it was Caleb Martin, Kevin Love and his outlet passes, and of course Kyle Lowry stepping up in the fourth quarter, Gabe Vincent, who started off aggressively the way he did against the Milwaukee Bucks in game five. So lots of different things there. And then on the New York side of things, you know Brunson with an unexpected injury uh today he was apparently he has a kind of ankle injury it wasn't obvious in game one and i don't know where the injury took place but either way he's listed as questionable i'd assume that he's probably going to be available too how do they incorporate randall uh, does he catch fire? Does anybody catch fire? Because they shot so poorly in game one. Right. And I don't think a lot of that was due to Miami's defense. They just they had a lot of open looks, and they just weren't able to knock them down, whether it was O.B. Toppin or R.J. Barrett or anybody else. Even Brunson struggled. And that was the biggest thing that I saw from the Miami side of things is that they made the adjustment in allowing Brunson to dominate in the first half, and then they kind of understood the timing of His drives to the basket and what he does when he throws those head fakes in there, tries to create space, draw contact, etc. They were doubling on him, changing the complexity of the game completely. And then he was just forced to toss it out to the perimeter where they wound up going like, I don't know, Oh, for whatever. In the second half, they really, really struggled from the field there. So, uh, if they can make those adjustments, get a couple of shots to fall there, and incorporate Randall without him disrupting things completely, it seems like they'll probably be able to take game two and even up the series.
0: Yeah, if if Randall's impact alone is just making it harder to double Brunson, that might be enough yeah. to tip tip the For game, sure. right? So, uh, sure. and he's so shifty with, yeah, you know, like you said, those head fakes, those body fakes to get by people, and the heat discipline is on full display when they slow him down. But you know, all it takes is is the guy who's doubling him, he gets beat by one fake, Julius Randall backcuts, your double falls apart, you're screwed. Or yep. Julius Randall takes his. Six of the seven threes in the first quarter, like usually does for some reason, and a couple of them go ahead yeah. and the game's completely different. We'll see. Um, hate injuries and in their stranglehold on this postseason, but neither team can complain more than I think at this juncture in that series. What a classic revival of the 90s series! I'm
1: so happy that the Heat and the Knicks are playing each yeah, other. I'm sorry, the, the Pacers aren't available so that the, they could make it even more interesting. Bring 90s basketball back, no Pacers, <laughs> no Bulls. I mean, that's the next, right? Next season. There's always next season. I know.
0: Hicks versus Knicks was a classic for a while, but you know what? We'll (laughs) we'll see if that comes back sooner. For First listen to John Corrales. It's Jake Madison coming at you with the dispatch from the two games we just talked about. Obviously, uh, Steph LeBron is going to be the head. Also, the NBA is getting announced on Tuesday, so they'll have everything you need to know from around the association at night. He's David Rommel. Who did I said Who wins it? Who wins it? Oh, uh, it's going to be Embiid. <laughs> he's he's going to win it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I think it's already uh, fairly clear. Yeah. But you know what? Jokic's playoffs has certainly made it a discussion. Who's actually better at this exact juncture? We will see. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week.